love them, you hate them, and you can't stop talking about them. Announcers, analysts, pundits, they're all fair game. It's Sports Media Mayhem with Alex Reamer. Time to let it rip. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Sports Media Mayhem podcast here on this Thursday, February 9th, 2023, day before the Super Bowl, the big game, Chiefs, Eagles. We have a lot of NFL stuff to get to on the show this week. Uh, my name, of course, is Alex Reamer, as you heard in our fantastic open, and you can find the show wherever you can find your favorite podcasts. We are available on Apple, Spotify, Google, you know the drill, download, listen, rate, and subscribe. Um, let's start off with some Tom Brady talk, something new on the show, something we haven't done the last several weeks, but there continues to be more chapters here with Tom Brady and his broadcasting career that increasingly looks like it's not going to happen. So I'm on the record a couple weeks ago saying that Fox needs Tom Brady to be part of its Super Bowl coverage. Um, I'm not saying in the booth. I think Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhart have showed that they are fantastic together and adding Brady as the third man without any previous uh, experience with those guys, any previous experience in the booth, I think would be a potential disaster. Um, So I'm fine with Brady not being part of the actual broadcasting team for the Super Bowl on Sunday, but I still think Fox has what? Five, five and a half hours of pregame coverage. Tom Brady retired just last week. I mean, the brand is hot. The brand is hot. And I know he gave his first uh, non-Jim Gray uh, retirement interview with Colin Cowherd uh, of The Herd, Fox Sports, Fox Sports 1. So there is some Fox promotion there, but I still think, you know, Fox is paying him $37.5 million annually at one point whenever this deal starts. And if you're not going to have Tom Brady be part of your Super Bowl coverage in any fashion, uh, when his brand, again, just retired last week, then what the hell are you paying him for? Well, I asked that question again on the heels of what Brady said on Colin Cowherd's show. Uh, He's not going to make his Fox debut in the NFL booth until 2024. What? Yes, 2024, fall of 2024, where we'll have another Trump and Biden presidential rematch to look forward to. (laughs) Um, That's completely insane. I don't get that at all. Why? That would be my question. And it wasn't really explained in the Colin Cowherd interview. Why does Brady need an additional year to prepare to be in the Fox booth? What's he going to do with that year off? And I've heard some people make the argument, well, being in the booth is hard. It takes a lot of adjusting. Tom Brady wants to be great at it, and he doesn't want to debut until he knows he has it down. And he has to take a full year to make sure he has his broadcasting chops down. But the fact of the matter is, you know, Brady can study tape. He can talk to broadcasters. He can do mock game broadcasts even all he wants. But nothing is going to compare to actually getting into that booth on live TV and calling a real NFL game as it unfolds in front of him. I just, I don't get it. Fall of 2024, seriously? So what's he going to do all of 2023? My prediction is he's never going to call a game for Fox. It's just not going to happen. This seems like just kicking the can uh, down the road, if you will. Uh, Fall of 24, why? What is the point of that? I mean, and there's a relevancy question too with Brady. You know, he, At that point, he will have been retired for a full NFL season, almost two full calendar years. 
Will he become less relevant? Uh, I think he'll certainly be less relatable because I think that his post-playing career is going to get even stranger. So I'm just not sure what the point of this delay is, unless it is, again, to kick the proverbial can down the road and make it easier at one point for Tom Brady to back out. You have Greg Olson, another year as a number one analyst, continues to do a great job. And then maybe it just doesn't happen. I don't know. It's it's really strange. I don't understand Fox's thinking for okaying this. Brady's thinking for really wanting this. Unless, again, he's having second thoughts and doesn't really want to do it. I'm just not sure what the point of that delay is. Um, and I'm also not sure what the point of Tom Brady's argument was on his Let's Go podcast this week with Bill Belichick, which, by the way, 30 minutes was a great sit-down conversation. The definition of Patriots porn if you will. I could listen to them obviously talk for hours on end. Uh, Belichick saying why he ripped Tom Brady during film sessions, that it really gave Brady a great platform to lead from. He got it from coach Bobby Knight, who ripped Michael Jordan on the 84 Olympic team. And I I thought that was awesome, awesome stuff. Um, But, you know, what was the point of Tom Brady basically gaslighting all of us when he insisted that the media Yes, the evil media was pulling him and Bill Belichick apart in his final days in New England. I mean, seriously, Tom? Does he know that all the stuff he said in recent years is on the record and we can go back and play the tape anytime we want? I mean, did we make up in the media that plead the fifth line that Tom Brady said to Jim Gray at that, at that conference in 2018? When asked about the status of his relationship with Belichick, Brady, quote, I plead the fifth. Okay. Are we making that up? Did I hallucinate that? Did I ruminate that? Uh, how about that Facebook series? Tom versus time. Giselle, my husband just wants to feel appreciated at work. Did we, did I just make that up? Did Giselle not really say that in that same Facebook series? Brady wondering, ruminating at the end. You just wonder, what are we doing this for? Why am I doing this? Did I just make that up? Did we make up Bill Belichick way back in 2014 when the Patriots drafted Jimmy Garoppolo saying we know about Tom's age and contract situation? Did we make up Brady playing through the AFC championship with a gashed hand and Belichick snorting at the podium afterwards saying, well, you know, it's not open heart surgery we're talking about here. I mean, did we make up Belichick banning Alex Guerrero from the sidelines, all the stories around that. Did we make up the fact that Tom Brady ended his career, not with the Patriots, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Did did we imagine the last three seasons? I mean, seriously, talk about gaslighting. And look, I think that there were obviously complexities and nuances to Brady and Belichick's relationship. He got into it a little bit saying that, No relationship is perfect, and there were disagreements, and they always talked it out. And I believe that. And I think that hindsight is 2020. Brady being away from Belichick made him appreciate the Patriots experience more. He said that on the podcast that, you know, he really stepping away from it, you really realize what Belichick put into winning. I think Belichick not having Brady at quarterback these last three seasons have just, uh, you know, have probably increased his appreciation for Brady's greatness more as well. But just spare us, spare us this gaslighting. And look, I think it's apparent that Belichick and Brady are in the process of burying the hatchet. And, you know, 20 years, 30 years from now, hell, five years from now, I think Brady's 
end in New England will not be remembered for the Palace in streak, but rather that he won two more Super Bowls um, in his final four seasons and made three in his final four seasons. So, you know, this is all going to be water under the bridge. It's not going to be what people remember. But why lie like that? And, and the, the media, oh my God, the poor media pulling Brady and Belichick apart. Those poor guys. I mean, give me a break with that. And the fact is, you know, it shows you, I'm not a relationship expert, but I've had a few, you know, tiffs back in the day with friends and whatnot. Uh, you know, if Belichick and Brady, I think, were truly at peace with each other, they would be able to say, yeah, the end was tough and we were on each other's last nerves. And now in hindsight, you know, we, we, we appreciate what we did for each other. But man, when we were in the moment, in the trenches, it was hard to do that. Uh, they didn't say that, which leads me to believe we're still in the healing stage of their relationship. But uh, yeah, I just, are you kidding me, Tom? Talk about a gaslighting job that, you know, the media was pulling him and Belichick apart. Please give me a break with that. So I mentioned Tom Brady and the Super Bowl, uh, two things that are synonymous with each other. Of course, we have Chiefs Eagles this Sunday. Uh, the Chiefs have made five consecutive AFC championships. If they beat the Eagle Eagles, that's two Super Bowls for Patrick Mahomes. And yeah, giving the Patriots a run for their money. Um, but here's the big point I want to bring up when it comes to the big game, the Super Bowl. Uh, we know that the Super Bowl is by, by and away, uh, the most watched program on TV all year long. The NFL is dominant. Last year, 82 of the top 100 programs were NFL games. Uh, at least 100 million people watch the Super Bowl every year. I expect this year to be no different. And But the question is, how long is this going to continue? Is it going to continue indefinitely? Or is there a shelf life? Because the Super Bowl is really the last example of a big monoculture event that we have. You know, and monoculture, of course, is kind of a big fancy Chuck Klosterman type word, but it basically means one culture, you know, and we had that basically throughout our entire history, you know, A-list celebrities, A-list actors before everything became so fragmented in the world of YouTube, TikTok, social media, et cetera. And now every niche has their own celebrities. So the monoculture is completely gone. The Oscars, nope, no longer an event that the whole country watches. The Grammys, nope, no longer an event that the whole country watches. The Super Bowl is the last thing. We have the big halftime show, the NFL, the commercials, all of that. But I don't think this is going to last indefinitely. I think there is a shift upon us. And that's because of Gen Z. Yes, these young Gen Zers. Uh, I've written about this in the past. I find it very interesting. There's a lot of surveys about sports fandom and how it spans across generations. And Gen Z, they're just really not that into it compared to millennials, Gen X, go on down the line. Um, there's something called the Next Generation Fandom Survey. And this was taken last year in 2022. And it found that 43% of respondents from Gen X identify as sports fans. 41% of millennials, my people, identify as sports fans. And only 33% of respondents from Gen Z identify as sports fans. Meanwhile, 28% of Gen Z respondents identified themselves as sports apathetic. That's nine points above millennials and eight points more than Gen X. And when you break it down by sport, yes, football, highest fandom across generations. 
But there's a big dip with Gen Z. Only 34% of Gen Z respondents identified as being football fans compared to 44% of respondents from Gen X, 41% of millennials, and 40% of baby boomers. Yes, the baby boomers uh, who were polled during that. Nothing from the silent generation. If they wanted to pull the silent generation, uh, they should have gone to the State of the Union Tuesday night. <laughs> it's a meeting age in that house chamber. I would say it's probably 85 years old. Um, but uh, yeah, Gen Z, 34% identify as being football fans well below every other generation. Interestingly enough, Gen Z reported being fans of basketball, soccer, esports, and the Winter Olympics at a higher rate than older generations. So why is this happening? Why are pe- why, why is Gen Z not, a, not football fans in comparison to other generations, not sports fans in comparison to other generations? A few reasons. You know, I think a big part is the decline of the monoculture. They don't watch cable TV. The idea of sitting down and spending three, three and a half hours watching an NFL game is completely foreign to them. They're consuming content on YouTube, on TikTok, uh, Twitter and Instagram are too old for Gen Z. So I don't know what's the be real, I guess, although that's just like taking pictures of yourself in real time. But nonetheless, the monoculture is dead and the NFL is symbolic of that monoculture. It really is the epitome of monoculture. Um, again, 82 of the top 100 programs watched on TV last year were NFL games. Um, so Gen Z, they're just, they're just not tuned into that. Their media world is so fragmented. It's very niche. It's very different. Um, I think they also follow athletes like celebrities. Uh, you know, they don't necessarily follow a favorite team. They'll follow a favorite athlete and what they do on the field. Yes. And they'll watch the highlights, but really what they do off the field as well with their personal brands. And I also think, and, and, you know, I think this is kind of a little overplayed, but in general, I do think that members of Gen Z place more emphasis on cultural issues than older generations. I think that they look at a brand's values. They look at an organization's values and they see, you know, what they're doing. And the NFL certainly has uh, a mixed track record to say the least when it comes to these things. Just look at all the bad, bad headlines over the last year. From Deshaun Watson's sexual assault case to Dan Snyder and the commanders and the prevalence of sexual harassment going on in that front office. Uh, Just uh, another bad year for the NFL in terms of headlines. And I think Gen Z sees that and it repulses them a little bit. You look at how they grew up. They grew up in the Trump presidency, their formative years marred by COVID, uh, climate change, certainly much more uh, relevant to them than it is to even millennials and certainly older generations. They're growing up really in the thick of it. So I think that their experiences kind of mold their minds here. And look, the NFL is combating that. I mean, look, you look at the big deal with Amazon. Uh, so putting more games on streaming. I, you know, YouTube TV or, or Google rather has the uh, new NFL Sunday ticket package, paying huge money for that. So the NFL is shifting a bit from linear TV to more streaming, but I still think that kind of misses the point because it doesn't matter whether the game is on Amazon or YouTube TV or whatever, CBS. The fact is an NFL game is still three, three and a half hours, and it's still a big challenge to get younger people to sit down and watch a game for three, three and a half hours. So obviously we are far away from this. The spending power still rests with baby boomers, Gen X, millennials. When Gen Z grows up, gets married, maybe they will sit down, watch the NFL like everybody else and numbers similar to every other generation. But I mean, these poll numbers are hard to ignore. And I think 
you know, we're not close to the end. Still have a long way to go, but it's not unfathomable that we'll get to an age where even the NFL in the Super Bowl is more of a niche product, just like everything else. Speaking of niche products, 80 for Brady debuted last week, right after Tom Brady's second retirement from the NFL. And it actually did pretty well at the box office, relatively speaking, in today's day and age. It grossed $12.5 million in its opening weekend, number two overall. Uh, Coming up on the other side, I'll speak to somebody who watched the movie and wrote quite the provocative review, uh, Corbin Smith, who writes for Rolling Stone and other publications. He joined us a few months ago on the podcast. Glad to welcome him back. The title of his piece is Tom Brady, Cheating Trump Fanatic Ruins 80 for Brady. So if you want some good Brady hate, pushing back on that Brady hate, brings me back to the old days on the radio. Uh, That's coming up on the other side. It's a Sports Media Mayhem podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. Corbin Smith joining us here from Rolling Stone and other, yeah, that's uh, right, that's other right. Fine publications. Corin, how are you? Welcome back. Oh, I'm I'm well. As you can see, I live on a mountain now. And I, uh, <laughs> you have the look down, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I uh, I haven't spoken to another human being in many years. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, what are you talking about? We spoke a few months ago on the podcast. Uh, many years, many years. <laughs> Well, I feel bad for you if I'm your only social interaction in many years. I wouldn't wish that upon anybody. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, you had the piece, <laughs> so you had the piece uh, in Rolling Stone, Tom Brady, cheating Trump fanatic, ruins uh-huh. 80 for Brady, Yeah. Um, like the dig. But, you know, so your feelings on Tom Brady are clear, and I'll get yeah. to that in a moment. Yeah, I think he's a cool guy. <laughs> yeah, you really he... seem to enjoy him. You've lo- yeah, you love, you yeah, love yeah, his yeah. persona all about him. Yeah. Uh, here's my question though. I don't think you're alone in feeling about Brady. I think a lot of non-Patriots fans feel that way. However, I just read the film grows $12.5 million last weekend at the box office, placing it second. Um, are you surprised by the film's relative success given uh, that Tom Brady plays a central role? Do we think $12 million is success? In today's day and age, I think for a non-action movie or superhero movie, yeah, I think that's pretty good. It was number two last weekend, so it's all mm. relatively speaking. I mean, I don't know. That's I don't feel like I don't feel like that's enough juice for me to stand up and take notice personally. Yeah, but uh, you know, look, this isn't the box office cast, I suppose. Yeah. It's been. Well, I was just pointing out that it, it it was number two. I mean, it wasn't a. Yeah, yeah, cast. yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's the problem with you know. Not enough people going to movies nowadays. Probably because they're feeding them slop, slop like this. Uh, no. Uh, am I surprised? No, not really. I mean, I don't. I don't know. That sounds right to me. I suppose. Yeah. And, and, not, yeah I mean, look, it isn't just Bray. Like these are four very appealing actresses right. too, and uh, and uh, and uh, yeah, you know. And you like and you liked their performances. Performance is such a weird word for it. I like their presences. Yeah, you like their presences. I, mean, I don't I like know if they're. I don't like. I don't know if what I if what they're doing. I would say rises to the level of performance. Yeah. So much as it is, ah, Rita Moreno. What yeah. a what a delight. Yeah. Oh, Sally Field. Ah, what a oh boy! Always a pleasure to spend a little time with the flying nun, Sally yeah. Field, and Jane Sa- Fonda. 
Jane, oh yeah, Jane Fonda. I I loved what she said about the Viet Cong. I, <laughs> well, that is interesting, and you brought this up in your review that she yeah. was like the most loathed actress in the seventies. Oh, well, I think I think actress is probably an understatement. I think woman is probably yeah. the word I would yeah. use. Yeah, yeah. Like That's I don't right. like like I don't like I don't know if it can possibly be overstated how much Jane Fonda was hated in the seventies. Right. Yeah, and it is it's, it is strange to see her in a in a movie that's like trading on her as a as a as a commodity of warmth, I suppose. But then again, last few years she's kind of had a reinvention as Lily Tomlin's scene partner over on uh, Netflix. There, most Grace and Frankie, great, and, uh, Grace great and show. Frankie, though a show that I, a show that the kind of show that like I think more people watch than then chattering class types are sort of aware definitely because you know because like the internet isn't lighting up with grace and frankie talk right every season but but a lot of people and you know old you know older people and and uh and sincere eccentrics uh, really enjoy it so yeah i guess it, it isn't just that but it is still strange like you know to read uh you know i you know to read rick burlstein's books about you know the late 60s and uh and uh, the uh, uh early 70s and like the sort of vitriol spit towards that woman is is breathtaking and i and it's uh, and it's weird to see her in a tom brady related puff piece yeah but then again i suppose it was probably weird to see her in a series of home aerobics videos like not long after that she's had an unbelievably strange career so i don't you know this in a way this is uh part and parcel with yeah. the you know with the jane fonda experience i suppose yeah and the nfl of course probably one of the most illiberal institutions uh we have going today well so. i don't you know i don't know about that but yeah yeah let's, uh, call it, let's call it image conscious institutions yes like <laughs> Yeah. So let's get into your feelings here on Brady. I'm just going to run down mm-hmm. his list of sins in your piece. Good so. looking. He's Very. good looking. He <laughs> seems like a good thing. seems like a good husband and father. Uh, uh, no. Well, <laughs> I, I will look. say though. So I mean, you know, I'm far from a Brady sycophant. You just need to Google me to find that out. Um, but you know, given how much he's been in the spotlight for 20 years, I am asking. Like, doesn't his rap sheet isn't that relatively minor? You know. Deflategate, no. the divorce. No, why? I don't know because he stinks. <laughs> I gotta like I gotta ju- like I gotta. Okay, let's go through. Uh, you know what? We'll go through the sins or whatever. It isn't just about the sins, but we'll you know. All right, go on. Well, no, just, just you list uh, leaving Bridget Moynihan for Giselle. Yeah, and you say burn down his family. Monstrous. I can't. How dare he? How dare he make Bridget Moynihan sad? <laughs> Losing money in crypto, FTX. I mean, hilarious. So- well, that's good. That's funny. Well, but no, but in, why is Brady that? Why do you hate Brady so much? Is it his on-field success? Is everything about him? The fact that he seems kind of plastic all in one. I'm always curious about this. What I gotta, I gotta, I gotta look, buddy. The Constitution says I'm allowed to hate anyone I want. And uh, no, uh, let's see. Why do I dislike Brady? First off, hate. You know, I don't wish the man dead. Uh. I mean, I hate him in like the haters' way. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. That, I'm a, yes. I'm, I'm there's a, something yeah. about there's something about being like I hate him. Yeah. Like I, I, like I, I hate like I hate him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. Like in, in the I, football context, sure. I, I guess. In the football context, and also like as a as a as a as a vibe. Um, I you know I don't know, man. He's just uh, you know, he's a weird little health grifter. You can tell that he's a freak, but he walks around and acts like he isn't a freak. Like you can, you know, you can, you just hear like in this, he's in this movie and whenever he talks, it's like not a hundred percent human at all. He doesn't like have a sense for how human beings act. He's become sort of completely divorced through wealth, but also I think through his personal inclination born inside him when he when he walked out of into this world uh, is, is just like a deep unnerving weirdness and freakishness. And I think that when it's infused both with money and the prestige that comes with, that came with, uh, you know, pairing up with another freak Belichick, like two dudes whose freakishness really, they really had a complimentary freakishness freak is, Freak, freak, freakishnessness. Yeah, there you go. yeah. There we go. Uh, they had like complimentary weirdnesses where, like, Brady was, you know, a psychotic, uh, process-driven weirdo, and all he cares about is football. And Bill Belichick is also a psychotic, process-driven weirdo, and all he cares about is football. And like in Belichick's first stop. Uh, the Browns, like this sort of, um, you know, unnerving, unnerving devotion and sort of total non-stylistic way of thinking about football, just like a hundred percent grind tape, grind tape, grind tape, exploit all of your assistant coaches, uh, exploit everybody in the organization, just openly, just openly denigrate anybody who isn't uh, bleeding and dying to create a successful on-field football product. Like these guys' freakishnesses. Freak- oh my god! Freak- well, Belich- yeah, I these mean, guys like these guys neuroses like complimenting each other and yeah. made this like made this like thing that was so annoying. It was annoying. It was annoying to watch. They were an annoying team. Like everyone else was trying something new, and they were just like, if we get a really good offensive line and just have Brady like hop around behind it for an incredibly long time and then find some dog shit slant pass to some, you know, irritating white receiver, and we just do that over and over and over and just cycle through the various cast of people. I, it's annoying. He's annoying. The whole thing was annoying. He's like, you know, he is by fiat, unfortunately, become the best football player of all time. But like, realistically, I don't think that anybody would say that he was actually the most skilled football player who ever lived. He's just existed in a context that, you know, was uh, was uh, gro- like gross and overwhelmed. And so... Um, I think I know the answer to this. I'll close on this. Uh, are you looking forward to his Fox debut when that happens in, you know, 2035 or whatever? Yeah, sure. Why not? I don't know. Here's uh, the thing. Those shows are all terrible, right? And, um, 
he'll be terrible on them because he doesn't seem like a human being at all. He's just like, he's an unnerved eyes wide shut style presence. Now there's jokes about eyes wide shut in 80 for Brady. And I was like, that's weird because Tom Brady is clearly an eyes wide shut guy. Yeah. Uh, he's clearly wearing the mask. He's clearly in the orgies and the chambers of power. Uh, he clearly is like eating rats as a r- ritual, mm. you know. It's uh, lean protein from what I hear, though, the rats. So it well, yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that in a way. Um, he, he uh, uh, but uh, and he's going to be on these shows and people are going to be like, wow, this guy doesn't seem like he uh he does he's unnerving Mike, he posts like look at, right after i write this boo he posts the underwear picture strange look i agree that was an odd he looked he, fake looked like ai generated yeah kind of. yeah i know yeah i know you don't have to like because that's what he seems like that's especially what he seems like in the movie and like the thing about the movie is that like it's all of these very warm performers telling a warm story but it all just redounds into Brady. And Brady is just like a cyborg man. He's like he's weird. Yeah. And I don't and it's bad. I don't know. I mean, I don't yeah, it's bad. All right, cool. They, they should have picked another athlete. I don't know who. Like uh, Aaron Rodgers. He gives you a warm and fuzzy feeling, right? <laughs> well, no, well, you know, okay. Here's what I'll say about Rodgers in comparison to Brady. No, he does not give me like a warm and fuzzy feeling. But he does seem like a human being. He seems, yeah. yeah, like he seems yeah. like a human being who has maybe read one too many articles yeah. on the internet. But I mean, I've seemed like that, so I, it's hard to judge him too much. Corbin Smith, what else do you have in the works that's going to rile people up? I saw you wrote something about Kyrie the other day, which the Boston people will like because, you know, he's yeah, yeah. on Grata here. I know. I Look, I, well, I I think they won't because I in the piece I say that I thought it was funny when he subbed the Celtics. Uh, <laughs> I'm always taking my shots at the at the, at the, at the New Englanders. Uh, oh, Bill Russell. I, the Bill, there's Bill Russell documentary on Netflix, and I wrote about it. It's also in Rolling Stone. Today, I think. Oh, terrific. Corbin, always interesting. Thanks, man. <laughs>